Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. All right, it's 105 at Edmonton, hour number two, Oilers Now. Let's open her up. Second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. PCs, copiers, supplies, printers, laptops, IT, plotters, software. Now Digitex can manage your corporate cell phone plan, saving your company money. All your devices managed at digitex.ca. You can text us at 630-630 on our Heartland Ford text line with over $10 million in new and pre-owned inventory. They're one of the largest volume Ford dealers in the province of Alberta. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford. And you can reach us right here right now on our River Creek Resort and Casino hotline, 780-496-0063. The Oilers attempting to chase down a playoff spot. they got lots of work to do. Um, you got to keep the dream alive if you're in that room, no question about it. Are we seeing a truer indication of what the Oilers hockey team can be now that they have their defense back? Is this defense good enough for you moving forward? Again, you can reach out at 780-496-0063. We are going to go to Alex from Penticton on line number two. Alex, how are you? I'm really good, Bob. How are you? Not bad. Not bad at all. Good. Bob, I disagree with you on a few things. And, you know, by the way, I love your show. <laughs> you're, allowed, you're allowed to disagree. You know, I remember you back to, uh, about three weeks ago, and you were defending... I wouldn't say defending. I would say minimizing or deflecting some of the moves that the Oilers have made over the years, starting with the Reinhardt deal, and then it was the Hall deal, and then what, saying what, they wanted to go bigger. But I just yeah, wanted to. Yeah, they wanted. I was wondering what was. So yeah, yeah, they wanted to go bigger. Yes, they did. Yeah. Okay. And and then they uh, they signed uh, Lucic, and then they also uh, uh, gave up a second and a third round pick for McClellan and Sorelli. And all the other um, moves that put them up against the cap, and uh, you know we can go on and on and on. Sure. And there's still a cer- uncertainty about this group. And and I remember thinking to myself, if I was a fan, and you were to tell me and say, "Hey, Alex, this is what the team is going to do in the next four years," I would have said you are nuts. I would have said you deserve a straitjacket, and you have no idea, no concept Alex, how ask- to run a club. Alex, no, but, Alex, but here's Alex, what- can I ask you a question? Sure. Where was your headspace when the Edmonton Oilers announced Peter Shirelli as the president my, GM? My, my headspace was this. There, uh, you know, yes, he won the cup, but there was also a negative reaction in the press saying that, you know, he traded away again. And then, uh, you know, and there, but there's a reason why you get fired, too. And that's why I said question marks as a fan. And those are, why did he get fired? And, you know, why? And then, uh, so, yeah, and then having to give up that second-round pick, I wasn't... That's where my headspace was at at that time. So, 
But but I wanted to go part B on this, Bob. You know the perception of the Toronto Maple Leafs over the 40 years that they were just a disaster starting with the Ballard era? And I can remember Ballard and, who do you have, King Clancy smoking cigars in their little yellow shack in the corner of the rink and, you know, drinking their cup of coffee or whatever. I don't know what was in that coffee, but it was a disaster. Everyone across Canada made fun of the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. We all did. Everyone did, right up until maybe a few years ago, because it was a disaster. Well, I think the perception, and, and, you know, we all have friends. You have friends all through the North America, Bob, and maybe they don't want to laugh in front of you, but I have friends, too, oh, no, that are say. hockey fans, and they laugh at the Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton Oilers have been, a, a, like, their organization on the perception of everyone else. It's a, it's a joke just like Toronto was. And this has been going on for a long, long time. Now, were you so, saying, just a sec here, Alex. Were you, sure. say, were you saying this two years ago? Well, uh, my, when I first heard that they were going to get McDavid in the draft, I was going, oh, my God. But then right away when I heard that they traded a 16th and 33rd overall pick for a guy who can st- couldn't step in and play right away, I scratched my head because I thought it was going to be a home run draft, not discount, not including McDavid. I thought that 16 and 33rd overall pick would have meant something, and it didn't. Right away, I was scratching my head. And then when they traded Taylor Hall, one of the best left wingers who was, I knew in my heart this guy was still going to get better and better and better. At a, at a $6 million value contract, it's the best value contract out there in the league right now for a guy in, in, in his age group. And I thought right away, you're getting a defensive defenseman back in Larson. I can still hear Sorelli up at the podium making excuses or saying, well, we still believe this guy could probably have some offensive uh, capabilities. Or the ceiling is still high with this guy. Well, we've seen him in the last, last you, couple of years. It isn't high. He's a defensive defenseman who takes a lot of bad penalties. Alex, Alex, um, we had somebody text the show to say the Oilers won the Hall Larson trade the first year. Oh, I I heard those. Te- I heard that text earlier. Okay, do you? I disagree uh, with it. Okay, and you're entitled to disagree with it. We we get the point, and you know what? When Edmonton's in the position they're in, where they're having to chase down a playoff spot, you're going to get kicked in your teeth. And don't think for a second, uh, the friends that I hold near and dear to me. Uh, and some would tell you I don't have a lot of them, but they're not afraid to tell me the truth. So I heard I have one rule though. One rule. <laughs> I can Al- imagine. Do you want? I have one rule, Alex. Do you, do you want to know yes. what that rule is? Love my, to. my my real friends don't text and whine and you know what it be during the course of the game. That's the one rule that I have. I tell them don't yeah. te- don't text me during the game because you well, know I, I, I know a lot of guys, right? So exactly, and, and I wouldn't do that either, right? Don't text no. me during because you might hear something in the spirit of the moment that you don't like, or yep. you're watching the game, or I don't know what you've been doing. I mean, maybe some of the boys have had a couple, and I just want to vent. But I, I, I let you say your piece, and you know what? When Edmonton's in the position you're in, and the teams fired the general manager, obviously some of the trades did not work out. That's that's all there is to it. Uh, well, it wasn't only that, but Bob. I mean, it was even the last two defensemen he picked up uh, uh, before he got fired, yeah. and then the Koskinen, which Bob Nicholson said it wasn't only up to him about that. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you know, they constantly pressed this team up. Against By the way, the Alex, and it, yeah, do you know what Koskinen save percentage is over the last since since? It's big. I know it is right he's played okay yep. he's played yeah, okay yeah. i get hey i totally i totally get what people are saying. gave a guy that had under 40 games of nhl experience a three-year contract at four and a half million the fact is if he has a save percentage above nine nine fifteen, 
especially now, because this is a higher yeah. scoring year. If he has a save percentage of above 915, he's actually a bargain at 4.5. Believe it or not, he'd well, be a bargain. Well, let's that. see that going. Well, let's look at that next year and going forward, yeah. Bob. And uh, I, I wanted to answer your question. You asked uh, the, the viewers, if I may. Uh, just a few more seconds. You said if this defensive core right now is good enough, right? And I'm not so sure, but I mean, there's five guys making north of what is it, 3.5 million. So I don't know what's going to happen there. That's the only. Qu- yeah, oh, that's fair. So that's fair. I Alex. love your show, Bob. Thanks. I always do, and I just thought I'd phone you. No, and just- all good. Thanks, Alex. You bet. Thanks. We're going to go to Mike from Ottawa on line number one. Uh, Mike, how are you? Good, Bob. You good. Good. Just want to talk about the GM search and my thoughts on uh, on the interim current GM, Mr. Gretzky, Keith Gretzky. Yes. Um, I'm not coming from the point of view that his last name has any sort of um, negative connotation that we shouldn't consider him uh, because of his last name. Definitely not. Um, but the one thing I would say um, is that he's been he, he worked with Shirelli in Boston, right? Like his history comes from being an assist AGM in Boston. Is that correct? He was also in Arizona. In Arizona, okay. Um, and he actually, so, he actually has more NHL experience than a couple of the guys I would probably list near the top. Like yeah, I would, yeah, I would have, I would have Kelly McCrimmon near the top. I've heard a lot of good things about Mark Hunter. Uh, McCrimmon's worked the last three years in Vegas. Mark Hunter worked three or four years with the Maple Leafs. Basically, lost out to Kyle Dubas to be the GM when they move okay. when they move Lou around. Um, I like you. Like here's how I describe Keith Gretzky, he's the Gretzky that has to grind. Wayne Gretzky gets to be Wayne Gretzky, right? Keith Gretzky yeah. is the guy that, as I, you know, and I, I do, I totally, you know, I hear it all the time. All I can say is, if you dealt with Keith on a day by day basis, uh, and I do, I, I think that there'd be put put it this way, you're gonna see the media, the media like Keith because he's accessible, he's available. Um, and I would suggest that in ter- the management staff was probably a little bit fractured after Shirelli got fired. Yeah. And I would say my interpretation, and I do talk to different people in different roles, is that Keith has become a glue guy for them as well, and he has built consensus. It hasn't been a one- or two-person uh, show in terms of assessment. So That's good. Right? Like, I, I think a guy should merit some consideration and who knows what the Oilers have better right now than him. But you were going to say about Keith Gretzky, go for it, Mike. Yeah, just again, you kind of led into it perfectly there. Like that, that being said, the one thing that I wonder about, Keith, is uh, we don't know the background about how he dealt with, with Shirelli during the years that he worked with him in Boston and in Edmonton. But it, the one thing that, that, you, that I think needs to be absolutely clear from, Mr., from Bob Nicholson is um, if Keith was on board with the game plan and fueling the logs into the fire of Shirelli's game plan and he thought that was the way to go, or if he was fighting against him and he was giving his own advice and, and his advice being, you know, small and fast, quick teams, not big and heavy, that sort of thing we've talked about for the past few years, and, and, and where that went. because Or the only other third option is he used to be the big and heavy and he's changed his mind and now he's hard set on the fast 
and quick, and he has an idea of how to do it. And that's got to be important, right? Because if he's been with Shirelli that long and he has that mindset of the fast, heavy hockey, uh, you know, that that's that's a big red flag. So I, I don't know the answer. You probably know more than I do. You probably can't say on air everything you know. But you know what I mean? As well, I fans, definitely I think, don't say everything I know. I understand. Yeah, but what, I will, say, what I will say is Keith is yeah. mostly, was mostly involved on the amateur side. Okay. Who did they draft with the first round pick in 2017? Would you call him big and heavy? Uh, uh, 2017. That's uh, to, no. Yeah, Yamamoto. Right. 22nd overall, 26. Yeah. They, no. Right. Yeah. That's not a big heavy player. They drafted. Okay. My my sense is Keith has an appreciation for uh, hockey sense. Okay. And skill. So you don't think that you don't think that that, that the pro scout trades that he made the pro players that he traded for the Manning. I don't. I don't think he was heavily involved in. The, okay, I, that I, makes I, me I feel be, better. I believe Dwayne Sutter was more involved. Dwayne Sutter was the head of pro scouting, and okay. I believe Peter used him as a resource, and I believe that Ken Hitchcock also wanted Brandon Manning. That's not solely on Peter Shirelli. For I agree too. I, I believe I think, they were desperate at that time. Yeah. Yeah, he acted and made desperate moves, and you yeah. know, given the fact that Kajula's playing on a top six role in Chicago, and Brandon Manning's currently down in the minors, I think we know how that trade worked out. You're absolutely right, and I, I see it. I see because Hitch came, he had the huge winning streak. Everybody's loving him in Edmonton. Shirelli goes to him and says, "Look, we've got to make the playoffs this year. We have to." And then, and then uh, Hitchcock says, "Okay, well, our defensemen are hurt. We need a couple of guys." And hit, and then Shirelli says, "What kind of guys do we see, need?" And then Hitch describes the guys, and then Shirelli says, "I'm on it." And then there we go, right? Yeah. Thanks, Mike. That's how I see it. Thanks, Bob. Have a good one, man. You bet. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We're going to take one more in uh, this segment, and we'll keep going with calls and texts. We're going to go to John on line three. Hi, John. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Not bad. A couple things. One, the first thing I wanted to say was that Mark Connolly interview with uh, Nicholson was awesome. That was the best interview I've heard with Nicholson. It was fair, but it was it was hard. I know you've heard it because you were already referenced it before, but I yeah. uh, really enjoyed that. Next thing, I'm just really puzzled. Uh, one day I'm, I'm going to bring the head of CBC on and talk about yeah. being nonstop funded by the taxpayers. <laughs> And being, and being able to have three times the amount of employees as uh, private radio organizations like Chorus and Bell and see how he responds to those questions. How does that Bob, sound? Bob, I hear you. I am no CBC okay. guy, okay. believe me. I'm just, I, I've, always, I've always found it pretty, like, I really like Mark. I want you to know that. Yeah. And Mark has never been afraid to ask a tough question, And but I wonder if he'd ask the same question if it was the head of CBC that was on with him. No, no, fair enough. I, I know. Right? I, I get what you're getting at. You can't ask that. And you, t- and, and, and you know, I can tell you that when you make little comments, as an example, about the current state of the political climate in this province, let's just say a certain twinge is more allowable on CBC than it is on some of the private broadcasters, and everybody oh, yeah. knows that's true. Which is why, well, I hear you. I hear you. which is why, and I am not far to the right. I'm a centrist, but which is why. People on the right get upset with the CBC. Okay? And saying okay. that, they do an awesome job on hockey, and it's just too bad nobody at the CBC realizes that it's a money maker instead of a money loser. <laughs> okay, anyhow. Um, I'm puzzled by the Kostman signing. I'm not saying it's a good sign. I'm not saying it's a bad sign. I think All that, I'm saying, John, that's completely fair. But, but what you're saying is completely the, fair. But what I'm saying is the process doesn't make sense to me. Like, Shouldn't the starting goalie be the new GM's pick? Like, what if the new GM comes in and says, hey, I don't like this guy one bit. Like, from the organization I came from, we got the book on him. We don't like him. Like, 
it doesn't make sense to me that they gave like it was decided was it not at the pro scout meetings right yeah uh, not, yeah peter sorelli was still a general manager at that time okay so you know they got him halfway one foot out the door and you give him the opportunity to re-sign koskinen and you're basing that on his opinion and on your pro scouts opinion now i don't know about you but I don't have much faith in our pro scouts' opinion just based on, like you said, our player procurement. So you're like, we're going to sign him based on Shirelli and the pro scouts, of which we don't really have faith in I, either. I think part of the reason why they signed him was they looked at the landscape of what was out there with UFA goaltenders, and they said, we better get one of these two, we better get one of these two guys uh, signed. And you know what? We think that Koskin's got a higher ceiling. He's younger. Uh, he had outplayed Cam Talbot to that point in the season. And ironically, since Cam Talbot has been traded and we've quit screwing around with deciding which one of the two guys are starting, Koskinen's been pretty good for Edmonton. So but I, I so yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're saying in terms of the timing, the sequencing, who's making the call there, all that kind of stuff. I think part of the equation was they looked at who's available moving forward and that was concerning. They said, we better get a deal done. This is the cost of doing business. Let's sign them. There you go. That's a heavy price. It is. And you know what? We all said the same thing when he got signed for $2.5 million on a one-year deal. Right? It could turn out to be a, it could, could turn out to be a bad deal. Right now, yeah. I think you could assert it's, he's probably performed at that level, John. Since he's, oh, I agree. Right? So he has yeah. actually... You know what? He certainly lived up to two and a half million dollars per. And if he, the one thing I'll say about him, he works. He has the right temperament to be successful for a goaltender because he's not a hothead. He's got the respect of his teammates. He's not going to get uh, when he struggles. He makes himself small. He's a little deep in the crease because that's how he plays. He's got to get better at taking away goals from the upper half of the net because in this league, the world class shooters can finish. But they, you know, and John, your your perspective is completely fair. My point and, is, they looked at the landscape and said, "What's out there? We better get this done. We believe in this guy." Fair enough. Just the we that are making those decisions, I don't quite trust. And one last thing, goalies are like relief pitchers. Fair. You can't trust them a lot from year to year. Fair. You know what? I think that's fair, John. I think that's a, a good fair, one, Bob. Yeah, I, that fair, fair comment. One twenty-two. We're going to take a quick timeout. We're going to keep taking calls. This is orders now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chat. 125 in Edmonton. Uh, we're going to keep going down on River Creek Resort Casino Hotline. John out of New Westminster joining us on line number two. John, how you doing? Hey, Bob. Um... Bob, I want to say um, I think like uh, that uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, they've screwed him up. Like uh, like we all agree, like uh, he should have been in Bakersfield all year. In the four games he did play down there, he had four points. But um, I think he's probably going to be on a trajectory sort of. I wouldn't give up on him. I think he's going to be like a Joe Murphy. Remember how when uh, they screwed Joe up when he came up and he didn't get along with Jacques and then they sent him down to Adirondack and finally once he got the hell out of there, then he sort of. Well, I, I could tell you right now, I'd block slap shots in the nude if uh, Jesse Pugliarvi at this stage turned out to be as good as Joe. Murphy because Joe Murphy Joe Murphy had a stretch when he was on the pipeline with the Oilers you know he was he was a pretty good player like he was a, yeah he was crazy he was good a, there with Adam and with uh, yeah he was a top he was a top line player there for a couple of years in the league and he had a long career so if Jesse yeah, well, if Jesse could get to that place that'd be pretty good well, he'll sort of. I don't know where. I, I, I when I watch him, I, I try to figure out who he's going to be. Like I, I can't I can't really put my finger on it. Maybe I hoped I hoped he'd be like Blake Wheeler. Um, 
my concern, and when I started making that comparable, you know, last year, the first 21 games after he got recalled, he played his first game in 17-18 in New York against the Rangers. Mm-hmm. And, his, and in his first 21 games, he had eight goals and 11 points. And I thought that, you know what, there's something here with this guy that i got to stick with him and ride the situation out. Well, he has like eight goals in eighty plus games since, like it or ninety games since. It has not gotten. And now, of course, he's had the, the you know the, the double hip surgery. I don't know where he's going. Like as a player, I, I at this stage of the game, I don't know. Like I, I thought there would have been more upward movement, and I do think absolutely the organization has to eat some of the responsibility. I still, I'm still 75-25, John, seventy-five on the player, twenty-five on the organization. Yeah, see, I agree. Yeah, totally. Okay, I, but, I just, but on this one, I think that the organization would be the first to admit that there's been some challenges there. Yeah, I just hope we don't have something like I'm calling from BC. I hope we don't have something like the second coming of Jim Sandlack or something on on uh, your hands there or something. But. Uh, um, uh, first, I'll give you a bit of a uh, Canucks um, update, uh, Bob. They're saying here that Besser is going to be uh, uh, restricted this year. They're, and they're kind of wondering here in the media, like, is he Michael Ryder or is he Phil Kessel? I personally think he's a little bit more Phil Kessel than than Michael Ryder. He's, I think he's, he's a way better player than Michael. Yeah, the, Michael yeah. Ryder could score goals for you. Uh, you know, he had a, he's, he's a better. He's a he's a way better player than Michael. Yeah, that's what I think too. And I, and, uh, I think Keith Gretzky should stick around. I think um, I think he scouted in Arizona before he went to Boston. Than do, and I think uh, he was getting a reputation back then as a pretty good uh, amateur scout. And um, I, I w- if I was running the show, I would keep him around, and I would like to see maybe like Mike Fuda come into um, to uh, Edmonton and try to fix that mess. But I, all right, it, we'll we'll see, John. Hey, thanks for the call. Okay, take okay, care. Okay. Did he just drop us a, a Jim Sandlock reference? The house. That's what they used to call them. 128 in Edmonton. We'll take a quick time out of off to a global news weather traffic update. We still have, Brendan, how much more time do we have for calls? About eight minutes after uh, the 130 update, then we'll bring in Kurt Hill. That's what we're going to do. We'll still go down the path of calls. Eileen up next. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.